Welcome to Lions Radio Network, where the show takes you on a roaring adventure with entertaining and stimulating topics focusing on entertainment, sports, business, world news, along with many other topics. Whatever your interests are, you will find them right here on Lions Radio Network. Americans enjoy are not free and can be attributed to the dedicated service and the blood, sweat, and tears of many generations of our nation's military. The Military Hour is dedicated to the servicemen and women, veterans, and their families that have made the sacrifice to defend our Constitution and country. Military service is being part of something that is greater than yourself. General Joseph Dunford, 19th Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And now, it's the Military Hour with your host, Donna Lyon. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Military Hour. I'm your host, Donna Lyons, coming to you live from Washington, D.C., right here on the Lions Radio Network. And my guest today is Tom Scateri, who is the Pentagon's correspondent for Talk Media News. And he has over a three-decade-long award-winning journalist career, so it's quite an honor to have him here today. Tom, welcome to the show. Thanks, Donna. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, I'm excited because you just made this big trip to China, and that's really what you came on here to talk about. And you recently traveled with the Defense Secretary Mattis to China. Um, And before you go into real specifics, tell the listeners what were the Secretary's primary goals on this trip? Mm -hmm. Sure. This is the first time Secretary Mattis has been to China, not counting when he was in Hong Kong when it was under uh, British control and he was a a younger Marine. And it's the first time the Defense Secretary has gone to China in about four or five years. So that alone was an important visit. He wanted to uh, establish military-to-military relationships with his Chinese counterparts. He feels it's crucial to do this, that throughout history, in his view, uh, the military-to-military relationships the United States have had with uh, lots of countries, not just allies, but other nations, have kept uh, in balance and a better tone to relations between the two countries when political dialogue was not as as friendly as it could be. So he wanted to meet his counterparts on their own home turf. He wanted to follow up some meetings he had with some of the Chinese last year in Mar-a-Lago. And he also just wanted to uh, put put some stuff down on the table to discuss the fine areas of common agreement before they tackle issues where there's disagreement. Right. And you recently wrote an article about this um, and his visit. And can you give us some insight into just what actually occurred over there and if there was any kind of movement forward to these goals that he was trying to pursue? Yeah, I found it fascinating that that the Chinese even let him come and didn't cancel or postpone the trip. About two weeks before, two or three weeks before his trip, which was at the end of June, uh, the United States disinvited China from an exercise called the Rim of the Pacific exercise. It's the largest international naval exercise in in the world it happens every other year and china has been going for about two two of the last two of the last ones not this one it just started they were disinvited because of their increasing militarization of islands in the south china sea which is strongly objected to by the united states and many nations both in the region and elsewhere in the world so there was actually some concern in the pentagon that china would disinvite mattis from the trip because of this but they didn't 
One of the reasons they didn't do it is because Mattis is a military veteran. He's actually been in conflicts. He's led troops in conflict, whereas nobody in the Chinese military has done that. <coughs> Excuse me. So this is an, a badge of honor for Mattis, and it was his calling card to get in the door to talk about these issues. Right. And then, you know, how does someone like you get chosen? What did you see when you were over there? I mean, did you did you what what were you able yeah. to engage in? Yes. So how it works here at the Pentagon is there's many reporters that do cover the Pentagon and they operate a pool of reporters. That's a smaller number of reporters, the pool it's called. And those reporters travel with the defense secretary and they provide reports to other members of the media. So I was the radio pool representative on this trip. That position rotates among the different radio reporters here at the Pentagon who are part of the pool. And and so what happens is I will write a report. I do the audio of everything I can. I send that audio in to my colleagues through a system with highlights of different parts of the interview so they can find it, the sound bites they wish. And after that, I write a summation of what happens for my pool colleagues. Then after that, I filed for my own organization. So we were able to see a lot of the openings of the meetings. We didn't sit into any of the meetings. And then we were privileged to have briefings from different members of the Pentagon staff, Madison's staff, who were with him on the trip, both on the record and off the record briefings, to give us insight as to what was discussed and the nuances of it. And then on the longer parts of the, the plane ride, Secretary Mattis also spoke with us, sometimes on the record, sometimes off the record. The, the trip itself started in Washington, D.C., went to Alaska first, where Mattis visited the missile defense system. We didn't get to go to see that, the reporters. Then he flew to China for a few days, South Korea, and then Japan, and then back to the United States. The last two stops were to meet with allies, obviously, and to brief them on what he discussed in Beijing, as well as to reassure them uh, that the United States was not going to be abandoning their, their promises to defend those nations. Right. I found it a very interesting, uh, Donna. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but at the oh, beginning no, of the ahead. meeting, at the beginning of the meeting with the President Xi of China, for example, the reporters we were let into the meeting room where where they were going to meet it, and President Xi was already there, standing waiting for the secretary to arrive. So I was actually able to see the President of China visually, and you know, compare to what I thought he might look like in stature and attitude and mannerisms. And he greeted Mattis. It, so that kind of stuff is, is really important for a journalist to have because it can be then conveyed back to the readers or listeners or the viewers later on. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Was it get, Did it get scary at any point? I mean, or were you, did you guys feel safe the whole time you were there? I, I felt safe the whole time I was there. I mean, we were under intense scrutiny uh, electronically. We reporters on the plane were told by the Defense Department, anything we brought off the plane to use – like a tape recorder or a computer, uh, we would not be permitted to put it back on the airplane because of fears that the Chinese would be able to hack into it and then plant some kind of bugs. Uh, at some point, uh, we were being in a holding room, which is normal procedure in, in different meetings in China, and no one could use their cell phones because this, the room was being jammed electronically. So you did feel this difference you know, of uh, being scrutinized and watched electronically, at least, if not visually. Right. Oh, yeah. I I can't even imagine. I'm sure. No, there, it, was, it was really you know, an odd feeling. Yeah, really an odd feeling. Um, and there was and also, you know, a lot of my stuff I send over through Gmail and different accounts like that. Gmail was 
is blocked in China, so you couldn't even use that. So you had to find different ways to send things through the Internet uh, to get around the firewalls. So did you have to create, um, like, email addresses on the spot there to figure out if it would go through, or were you I, able I, to? Mm-hmm. I had ahead of time uh, prepared different email addresses for different accounts, like a Yahoo account, an AOL account, et cetera. That way I would find one that would go through. Wow, that's just crazy. And what's it like? What's what's um, Secretary Mattis like? Tell us about him. I like him a lot. I, I mean, I like him a lot. You know, I've been a reporter, as you noted, for a, several decades, and I could still do my job. I can like a person or not like a person, and still be objective about how he or she is in that job. I found him very personable, perhaps because I'm a little older than some of the other reporters, and and uh, I, you know, I don't uh, I don't get upset over certain things about waiting around to see somebody. You know, that's part of the job. I found him very personable and very eager to have conversations about history. He found out – this is the first time I had any extended time with him. He knew the other reporters better than he knew who I was. And he found out a little bit about my background, and I, it's, which is a little bit more – is different than some of the others because I covered a lot of conflicts. And, you know, he and I talked about that, what it was like covering conflicts. And that would segue into stuff, well, what was your favorite place to eat when you were in Pennsylvania country <laughs> of your choice? You know, so in that, in that sense, it was a really great trip for me because part of the reason I was excited to go on a long trip, meaning a long time in the airplane trip, was to have this opportunity for him and his staff to get to know me somewhat better since I've only been in this position about six months. Right, yeah, but you have done so much. I mean, I, I've told you uh, like a hundred times, you need to write a book about everywhere you've been and what you've seen and the people you've met and the food you've eaten. And yeah. I mean, pe- people will live vicariously through your words. <laughs> you know, I remember, you know, I, I'm still kind of an old-fashioned reporter in that sense that I don't like to talk a lot about myself, but I went a couple years ago, was the 50th um, graduating class from where I went to high school back in Pennsylvania and they had me as the commencement speaker which was really a great honor you know to go back there's that old myth about you can't go back home again and you you really can and it was great to talk to these young students and share some of these stories and one of the ones you know I told them about how there's rules and rules and rules but there's an exception to every rule and one of the most simple ones I told them was, you know, when we leave here tonight after this nice ceremony, most of us are going to get into an automobile and put on a seatbelt. And, you know, we do that out of habit, and seatbelts are a great idea. They save lives and injuries. And I remember doing that the first time I was driving to Sarajevo, and my colleagues looked at me like I was insane. <laughs> like, what are you doing? And I said, well, put on my seatbelt. You can't put on a seatbelt because every second counts if you come under fire and your seatbelt might jam. And they were absolutely correct, you know, but I never knew that. And, you know, they were obviously sharing knowledge with me. But I use that as an example, you know, to point out how <laughs> rules are rules, but sometimes circumstances change them. So after the ceremony, you know, all these students really generally, they came up to me and said how much they liked what I said. And all these parents were just like thinking they that was the one of the examples that they most remember because they could really relate to it. Because, you know, they're going to go out and put the seatbelt on. So, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of stories like that that I, I tell and I think that they're good and, and they actually do have much more of a resonance as you suggested they may. Because, yes. you know, I do that as part of the job, you know, but it, right. it is interesting. <laughs> 
Yeah, you've had such an incredible career. You've been so blessed. And I'm hoping, I mean, I know you're really busy, so I'm going to let you go. I know you're at the Pentagon working. And I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to enlighten us on the the, uh, China trip, which I think is so important to us right now. It is. And hoping you can come back on again when there's any kind of updates on national security or important news to share with our listeners. I would love it. It was gracious of you to share your, your time with me, Donna. I'm very appreciative. Well, thank you, Tom, so much. You have a great rest of your day. All right. Bye. Bye. Everyone, that was Tom Scateri. He's the Pentagon News Correspondent uh, for Talk Media News. Uh, And he just had this wonderful trip to China and was telling us about it. So if you get a chance, check out his work. He's really good. You can check him out at talkmedianews.com. And put his name in there and he'll pop up and you can read a lot of his articles. They're fantastic. And this is a man who has traveled the globe and has been doing this for many, many years. So he knows what he's doing and knows what he's talking about. And uh, just such a pleasure to have him on. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. Um, I think Thursday and Friday we have some more shows coming up. And we will let you know. We're always posting on Facebook. I want to thank our listeners around the globe, too. We have so many listeners in other countries outside of the United States. So thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for clicking on our links and listening to the shows. We appreciate you so much. And everybody have a great rest of your afternoon.